This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit studios in Royal Oak, Michigan. For more information about the show or our network, please visit www.podcastdetroit.com. Hello, everybody. This is Jason David Frank, the Green Ranger, and you are listening to the Ninja Starship. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 65 of the Ninja Starship podcast. Today, we are going to be recapping the amazing time that we just had at the Monroe Comic Con. Uh, I I had an elevator ride with the Walking Dead cast. I saw that That on Facebook. That was pretty sweet. I'm jealous. We're going to talk about all of that, plus... The CW shows premiere this week. We are going to be talking about what to, what to expect from Flash, what to expect from Arrow, plus the 10 facts that you need to know about Luke Cage. And later on, we're going to be debuting, uh, we're going to be playing the debut track from heavy metal band Forces. That's going to be later on in the show, so tune in to listen to that. It's going to be really sweet. Also, we have the showrunner from Transformers Combiner Wars on the show today, Eric Calderon, in an interview that we recorded last night at the Monroe Comic Con. Also, Casey Pierce is going to be on the show from an interview that we recorded yesterday at Monroe Comic Con promoting issue two of Nora, published by Source Point Press. So we've got comic books, we've got Flash, we've got Arrow, we've got heavy metal, we've got Transformers, Today's show is going to be awesome. Jess, yeah. let's start the show. Wow, you should steal that. That should be a Steve song. <laughs> it should be. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What's up, Ranger fans? This is Steve Cardenas, a.k.a. Rocky the Red Power Ranger. Hey, this is Eugene Clark from George Romero's Land of the Dead. Hey, this is Jason Font from Power Rangers Time Force. Hi, this is Mike Zapsick from AMC's Comic Book Man. And this is Ming Chen, also from AMC's Comic Book Man. You are listening to... You're listening to... The Ninja Starship Podcast with Jimmy McKnight. A favorite podcast. It has begun! Oh, yeah! I am awesome! You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey man, I was on a UFO! I really was, man! Hey, your cousin and I, man, he had a bag full of dope, man. We met all these chicks, went to a massage park, and we went on a spaceship. We're in a weed field, man. We got sucked up by the Man. It's so full of blood and tits. Like, what more could you want from a low-budget horror movie? It rules. Well, it eliminates all the other things you don't like, like story. <laughs> so... oh, I hate to break it to you, losers, but Han Solo's a bitch. That are alive, you are coming with me. I mean, they call me the genetic jackpot for a reason. Right. Not just because of the athleticism, the big muscles, the cool hair, the good looks. <laughs> I'm also a really, really smart guy. So, you know, always have a plan. The total package here. <laughs> it's your boy Kel Mitchell, and you're listening to the Ninja Starship with Jimmy McKnight. Come on, get on the Starship. It's going down. Yo, McKnight, let's get it. Yeah. You, you no, seriously, I, I do not have a 10 inch penis. No, I do not. Seriously. <laughs> you were discussing Hulk Hogan's penis. All right. I am the cream here. Yeah. The cream of the crop. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Seven, six, 
All right, episode 65. Okay, Monroe Comic Con was yesterday. We were the official panel moderators. We did the Nakia Baris panel. We did the Walking Dead panel. We did Transformers Combiner Wars panel. We also did a podcasting panel with IT and the D, Pod Bros, and the Ninja Starship. We basically took over this Comic-Con. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, Some of the top things, at least for me, that I really noticed about this Comic-Con was, A, how well organized it was. Yeah. I loved the setup of it. You had the retailers that had their own section. You had the artist alley that had its own section. It had a cosplay corner. It had, I mean, all the cosplayers can go and pose all they want in the corner and get all these pictures taken. And that way it frees up the traffic from the aisleways, Mm -hmm. which is awesome because we've all been to bigger cons where it's just a traffic jam for no reason because some some cosplayer has to get their picture taken. Mm -hmm. This, they give them the area to do that. And the the space actually pose suite. Um, then the media people, the media guests, had their own section yep. at the very back of the wall. All the Walking Dead and the Power Rangers mm-hmm. were there. So all in all, great setup. Great setup. Uh, every scene, every, everything seemed to run fairly smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, we only had to put out a couple fires throughout the day, which was cool, but <laughs> happy to do yeah. so. Uh, I felt kind of like, da-da-da, I can fix this. <laughs> um, Will, you save the day in uh, the Nakia Baris panel. Making sure everything connected right, which was nice. I was just channeling my inner ranger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, and then, of course, the absolute highlight for me was the Transformers Combiner Wars panel. Um, Dude, he played, uh, Eric Calderon, the the showrunner, played episode four from Transformers Combiner Wars. And that's the episode where Optimus Prime and Megatron meet for the first time in this series. And oh my god! Like I had goosebumps the entire time. And when it was done, I'm all like, "Dude!" I'm like, "Do you see these goosebumps?" I'm like, "That, show, that episode was so badass. It was fantastic. Yes. Yeah, that show. If you haven't watched it yet, you need to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing, actually, man. Like the I love how he showed in the panel too about how you know there's only a select few people, and, and we'll get in. We're gonna play the interview so you guys can hear this. But you know, there's only a select few people in the world that can draw Transformers that well. And even he said in the, in the panel, like he didn't know that they were that hard to draw, but Hasbro has like a select handful of dudes from around the world that can just lay it down when it comes to Transformers with all the different angles and keep everything uniform. And, and, and I told you when I saw it, because it was the first time I've seen it, yeah. it looked awesome. Like it was a combination of old school Transformers meets that new Netflix Iron Man type animation. And it looked Amazing. Yeah. All right. So, without further ado, let's get into this because this is kind of a kind of a long interview, and we got a lot of stuff to cover. So, here's our interview with Eric Calderon, the showrunner of Transformers Combiner Wars. I am joined by Eric Calderon, the executive producer and showrunner of Transformers Combiner Wars. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. A- absolute pleasure. I, uh, I, you know, we did the panel. And I completely fanboyed out in the panel. I couldn't help myself. I got goosebumps all over again. Um, but I want to. I want to kind of take it back just a little bit. And 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 where did the where did the the, the brainchild or less come, come from for this? Like how did how did this all kind of form and, and and everything start flowing to where it is now? So you know, I'm an animation producer. I've been doing it about 22 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I get called in for a lot of missions. So uh, Hasbro and this company called Machinima, online social network company, yep. knew they wanted to do a short-form Transformer series that was kind of adult. So because I've done a lot of adult-based animation and action my whole career, you know, I kind of got the call. 
So uh, they brought me in. I looked at it. I said, absolutely, definitely would do this. And, you know, their first remit was, for the first time in history, let's make a Transformers series that's made for adults. Mm-hmm. You, you guys did a fantastic job, really. Like Thank it's you. got it's got the emotion. It's definitely got the heart. Um, the thing that I really love about it, though, is even though that it's short episodes, you're pulling your hair out to get to the next one. You know, it's five minutes of just yeah. pure joy, and and it just, I mean, it, it, even even the cliffhanger. Like you're you mastered the cliffhanger with this series. You know, like I cannot wait till the next season. And and that brings me to my next question: How is the success of this? Uh, of of Combiner Wars done so far? Like, is this really took off to where yeah. they're like green light for the next season? Yeah. Or yeah? Well, let me first say. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you like the cliffhangers. I mean, I think writing it was really um, a challenge. You know, it's five it minutes. Masterfully shows, done. So we have to get everything just right. I had two incredible writers with me: uh, George Kerstick, who uh, created a show called Megas XLR on Cartoon Network many years ago. Okay. Also a Clone Writers writer. For the cartoon, right? Worked at uh, Riot Games for many years. Now works at Blizzard Entertainment. And another writer named F.J. DeSanto. He was a comic book writer. So the three of us, we had to really, you know, create a very disciplined script. So every episode, just exactly what we needed, nothing more. Mm-hmm. Cliffhanger out, you know. Uh, as far as response, I mean, Hasbro is super happy. Machinima is super happy. We've got very cool. Tons of views worldwide. You know, we're in every territory in the world except for Japan. Uh, we're in China. And you know, we've aggregated the hundreds of millions of views, so it's been fantastic. Awesomeness. Um, some of the hardcore fans are pretty rough. I gotta say, they're pretty rough. Yeah, I heard. I you saw know? some stuff about, oh, it's Optimus Prime's voice, and it's not the, yeah. the same guy. You know, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> it like I didn't fantastic. have one problem with that at all. Like I'm like, he sounds like Optimus Prime. Like this is great. But you know, I kind of love the hardcore fans, even when they trash it. Because oh yeah, they're so deep into it and they love it. Anything that's like three percent off, I mean, they, they just want to tear your head off. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate that, you know. And I think I could read thirty pages of bad reviews and thirty pages of good reviews and pull out the ten things I need to know. So that's what I'm. Well, and the, you know, those hardcore fans, they they maybe write in comments bashing it, but they probably watched the whole series ten times. That's what I love. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I had one guy on um, on one of the websites. He was like. I really hate episode four, especially this part of the what? script. And he like wrote the whole script, but yeah. then he had questions after each line of dialogue. Yeah, wow. Like, you can't hate it that much. Yeah, I mean that was they, one they of the best so episodes. Much they yeah, love it, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you know the th- the thing I really loved about the series is you know I was I've always been a fan of Transformers, but I'm not such a fan to where I know the, the complete lore. I you know I don't know all that stuff, but this has really sparked the interest because I see this I'm like oh my god like this came out of left field out of nowhere and it was just it was here and it's badass and it really sucks you in where I'm like I need to go back I need to watch the 86 movie again (laughs) I need to I need to get into the lore of Transformers totally I mean we we had a good time getting into the lore to begin with because for me it was just oh the 86 movie the first two seasons of the show Mm -hmm. uh, in the 80s and then maybe you know the Bay movies so that was my base but I didn't realize you know there's Japanese cartoons, there's tons of comics, there's tons of stuff out there, there's so many TV series. So in getting, watching all the old series, I learned so much about the lore. Right. It's deep, and it's wild. So, I'm, I'm just like a huge fan of giant robots fighting, period, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Japan's like really the place where that originates from, big That's time. Right. That's right. And, you know, I, I, now that you said that, you know, I'm kind of interested in finding the actual Japanese versions of yeah, these watch shows. The, watch the Headmasters. Yeah. Headmasters? Headmasters is the first season out of Japan. It's crazy. 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's crazy. But you can actually see what they did after the second season of the TV series. Right on. We got the chicken dance going on in the back. Ghostbusters chicken dance. Only at a comic convention (laughs) where you see Ghostbusters in full uniform do the chicken dance. Pretty good. Why there's guys podcasting in the corner talking about Transformers. Yeah, Nerd Central right here. (laughs) Nerd Central of the Midwest. So, so you you said you guys are in Japan right now, though. You guys, is there a yeah, reason for that? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a distribution problem. So we're not distributed in Japan as of yet. Okay. But Hasbro is owned by a company called Takara. Okay. And Takara actually owns all the rights for Japanese Transformers. So you know, it just becomes a question of you know getting the right phone calls. And yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the show has done great here. It's an amazing show. I feel like over there they were fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you said over in China it's done real well too, right? In China it's doing really huge. And, and what was interesting is that in America, any episode with Optimus and Megatron, all the numbers spike. We're like, we're doing well. The comments are positive. They love it. In China, it was everything Windblade related. So really? for some reason, it was the opposite. Because she know. was the new character? Yeah, maybe she's more Asian. You know, maybe her design is more... It is. It, it, it uh, reminded me of the... Um, yeah, Kabuki. Uh, what, Kabuki mask. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking like Sergeant she... Kabuki Man. <laughs> close, close enough, close enough. And, and she fights with a, with a uh, kind of like a modified katana. Yeah, it is yeah. Kind of the katana Chinese sword. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. mean, she was like the episode you showed in the panel. She was just like, destroying those laser cannons. It was yeah, awesome. Man. And I didn't want to bring this up in the panel for those yeah. that hadn't watched it, but I, I kind of referenced it a little bit. The 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 turn of Starscream at right. the end, and he just becomes this ultimate. Wait, hold on. Is it is it spoiler free here? Or this is this is this is spoiler. Go ahead. Spoiler. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Go right ahead. Our, our listeners know this. Yeah, they know. This point, yeah, spoilers last, coming. Yeah, he did the ma- oh, we did the Magnificent Seven uh, review last uh, last week, and he was like, "Oh yeah, have you seen it? I've seen the original." Okay, I don't want to spoil it, but he yeah, drops like it. a major spoiler right away, and I'm like, "Well, this is this. We're not doing spoiler free." Yeah. <laughs> it was like the biggest drop you ever. Warn the people, warn them. They know. They know. <laughs> yeah, they know now for sure. So spoilers ahead. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, pulling off the big Starscream switch was, yes. uh, was a very carefully done. And we really did have fans up until episode seven saying, man, Starscream's a good guy. He's really a nice politician now. And, and why then we had whoa. a good percent fooled. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I didn't see it coming at all. Oh, I was like, I'm like, why is he on this side now? And like in the back of your mind, maybe for a second, you're yeah, like, oh, right. there's something there. But then as you see him be diplomatic and everything else and really help, you're like, no, I think I think he's okay. And then, yeah, yeah. bam. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Um, well, oh, look. Oh, yeah, no. They're getting the bubbles. Ghostbusters are Ghostbusters. getting Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> they're foaming them down. They're foaming them down. down right now. It's good slime. <laughs> I, love, I love that there's a Ghostbuster cosplay group that has a Beetlejuice with them. That's right. It's great. Professional wrestler Eddie Venom in the house stealing our candy. Pop, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for grape. No one's stopping him. So how did uh, how did you guys go? Like, did you have any say in the, in the voice casting at all? Yeah, yeah. I was in charge of all the voices. I also voice directed all the characters. Oh, nice. So, uh, you know, we found... We wanted to get a little bit of, like, uh, old and new. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I directed some of the voice actors to really imitate as close to the original as possible. So obviously John Bailey, yeah. who's the voice of the Honest Trailers, has been doing Optimus online for a long time. He's done a lot of fan stuff. He's done a, a toy unboxing mm-hmm. of Optimus as Optimus. Nice. Which was great. Um, but I told him to keep it pretty close to the original, just add 60 years to it. Yeah. You know, So in a way, it's kind of like my Optimus as if played by Chris Christopherson. 
Okay. You know, that was kind of my reaction. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Very cool. But with Megatron, you know, Megatron's a very, very whispery, gravelly, and very angry. Yeah. So our Megatron's retired. So yes. I told him just be a little bit happier. An exile. An exile. Yeah. But to always insult people. So he has a high emotional intelligence. He hates you on the inside, mm-hmm. but he's going to smile on you on the outside. I love how he, he's jabbing at Optimus, too, always. At it's crazy. He's like, what is that you said yeah, before yeah. you, like, let it roll out? Or- <laughs> Amazing stuff, yeah. man. And are you guys uh, Game of Thrones fans? Yeah. 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 So for Starscream, one of my main inspirations, and it just dawned me one day, is to model Starscream after Varys the Bald Monk. Oh, nice. So yeah. Varys the Bald Monk is always giving truthful, important information, but... You feel like he's kind of ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So that's how we played Starscream with that kind of level of sophistication. Mm-hmm. But with the same tone and tenor as the original, minus the caffeine. Right on. So that was like the full direction that Frank Todaro, the voice actor, did for Starscream, which I'm really, really happy with. Uh, absolutely. The, yeah. the, the emotion behind the voices is what really drags you in in this. Because like yeah. as he's... As he's uh, you know, transforming, you hear him start to scream, and he's in, in like pain. That's right. You know, it, you're like, oh my god! Like you feel that as yeah. this is happening. You know, and it just sucks you in that yeah. much more. Like I'm a very, I'm a very uh, uh, emotional, connected person when I'm watching stuff like this. Like oh, I, cool. I just, I sink into it. And when I heard that, I was like into it that much more. I'm like, oh, this is the shit. Right, this is right. this is so good. I have a super geeky reference for like that scene. So we're trying to figure out. Okay, spoilers coming ahead. Yeah. So the Enigma combination is like a mystical unknown force. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost more mysterious than the Matrix of Leadership. So to touch it and to actually imbue its power is kind of to touch infinity mm-hmm. and to kind of like touch that which should not be touched. Right, right. So I went back to like the 80s X-Men run where Mastermind tried to take over the mind of Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Nice. There was this great panel drawn by Chris Claremont where like Mastermind is like his whole body is warped in space and he's like holding his head screaming Mm -hmm. and I was like that's what I want you to express I want you to feel like I've touched that which mortal minds have not been meant to Yes, you gotta lose your mind Yeah, but for a second he's almost omnipotent yeah he it's like he he has like this 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 ultimate and he feels it and he's like he's like this is this is me i am that's all right. powerful yep. and then it flips and it starts to hurt him that's when you're like that's right. this this is where it's at because right. you don't yeah. you don't just gain that kind of power no pain that's right. there's there's a sacrifice yeah. and then but and that you know i will spoiler ahead if we do more episodes yes that moment is important for later very cool. I was just, just about to, to say, what can you tease us for the for what's well, coming? And you told us in the, in the panel today that this is like part one of kind of a greater saga, right? Yeah, so Hasbro has a, has a trilogy that they planned in their toy line, which is Combiner Wars followed by Titan's Return, mm-hmm. followed by uh, the power of the Primes. You know, so of course I'd love to make more. We're planning to try to make more, but nothing's approved to Greenlight yet, but yeah. I'm already deep in the writing brainstorm, and even from the beginning of Combiner Wars, I pitched the whole trilogy to Hasbro to begin with. So I already kind of knew what was going to arc out. You're right away. You're like, this seasons. is what we're going to do with this. Yeah, yeah, so they already kind of pre-approved my full vision for the trilogy. And Combiner Wars is part one. Right on. You no, know, you're talking about how you work with Hasbro. And they, this ties into the toy line. So did they come to you and they say, here are the characters that we want. Here are the new characters. And then you figure out how to make it work. And did you go to them saying... These are new characters I want, and I think they'd be good for your toy line. You know, it's it's very uh, iterative. I mean, you know, we go back and forth with Hasbro. They've got a couple kind of milestones they'd like to hit. They've got um, they've got so many toys out, but they're like, we'd love for you to use these things. But they always say to me, 
when you do your thing, story comes first. And if you feel like you want to put in this character, but we said that, you know, we're probably going to be okay with it. As long as you just generally follow our thematic goal for the year, you know. So if I make a show called Titans Return and it's all mini cons, maybe they won't be so happy. Right, yeah. right. But if there are Titans in it and they're important to it, they're less particular about exactly which ones, as long as I tell the tale of Titans. And they're, they're just enormously bigger than Devastator. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but here's a question I got for you guys, because I'm always, how tall is a Titan to you guys? Oh, my God. It'd have to be like, in my mind, I think uh, not not exactly mountain big because I always have that picture in my head of like where they have to climb mountains, but they're, it's not very much for them to climb mountains, right. but they're just they're just these monstrous things. But right. then again, I'd like to see what I'd like to see one bigger than that too. I mean, why not? Why not just see something that towers so big that you can't even see the face till it comes down and shows you who you know? Yeah. How about you? What do you think? I, it's so hard because it's, it's I can't. I'm trying to think of something to reference to height wise. I keep thinking Attack on Titan because of Titan, and yeah, I just like, finished watching well, that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, I, I feel like it's something that would, be, would if it's in a city, it dominates the skyline. Oh, absolutely. You know yeah, I mean? way it's bigger than the skyscrapers. It's, it's, it's something that, cloud like, level. that like, you can kind of see it rise up, and all of a sudden you realize. It's now the skyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've been, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. We're still trying to figure out, but I always assume a transformer is about like nine to 12 feet tall. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like a car or a truck. Right? Yeah. And then a combiner is triple the size of a transformer. Because, like, there's a leg, there's a middle bite, and there's a top. Right. Now, that makes them about 30 feet, 35 feet, you know. So, for me, a Titan, you know, is about. 50 stories high or 40 stories high. So that's a little small, but if you think about it, it's, it's doable. Like Empire State Building. Yeah. Yeah, which you see something as tall as Empire State Building walking towards you. That's, you're that's intimidating, away dude. Crying, yeah. You know so I mean? if you're a regular, if you're like Bumblebee or if you're yeah. like RC, you're looking at the first floor right in front of you. Yeah, there's always, 40 stories up. I always kind of think of like, in my mind, um, Maximus Prime. Is like the same height of like the Sentinels were in the '90s X-Men cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's like like right, like right. that's kind of what I think. They're you almost know? like thirty feet. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, right. it's, it's kind of like big for a normal sized person, but not like ginormous for a giant like Godzilla. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like the '90s, like I'm thinking of the combo because the '90s Sentinels you could hold Wolverine in your hand. Yeah. Like that. So they're more like 50 feet. Yeah. Some it's of them. tough. Scale's tough. Yeah, to scale, yeah. yeah. I would, yeah. I never really thought about it well, like that. Especially so if you dig it, deep, they get like, you know, Megatron becomes a gun that fits in Starscream's hand. So there's all this weird mass shift. Right. Yeah, you, if you try you, to think too much about it. You touched that in your panel, too, a little bit of how, like, in the original cartoon, they kind of... They kind of fudged a little bit when, oh, yeah. when they when they shape shifted, but you're saying that you, you guys are doing 3D animation, so now that you really have to make sure everything's drawn to scale. That's right. I mean, the toys match perfectly, and that's how they work. But yeah. if you put the exact toy in animation, it looks a little funky. Yeah. You know, like you can kind of see it's a toy. So yeah. yeah. How did you like in your panel? You were showing the artwork, and you were saying that yeah. only a few people in the world can actually draw transformers like this that at well. this level. That's yeah. Right, that's right. Um, I mean, how did you even go about finding these people? Like, is it well, just we all word lucky. of mouth? or? No, we're, I mean, Hasbro has their guys. They got their guys. Hasbro's like, 
here's Andrew Griffith, here's Guido Goody, here's Sarah, you know, here's all the people who we go to to draw comics. Here's people we go to to draw our, our work. And I looked at them, and I just, this Guido Goody guy was so good. <laughs> he did the cover to um, the Devastation video game. Oh, really? You know, so I feel like he's got that G1, like, beautiful touch. I mean, the other artists are fantastic. They're just, they're still drawing modern versions. Yeah. And I wanted someone who, like, knew the classic version. So, yeah. being a veteran of, what, 22 years, yeah, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, what type of advice would you give to somebody who's really looking to get into animation? Well, uh, it depends on what part, you know, if they're on the art production side or mm -hmm. on the business and writing side. Um, if you're on the art and production side, the tough news these days is animators are in oversupply. So basically animation became so popular that so many kids are learning animation in high school and college that yeah. uh, there's too many of them right now. No kidding. So, you know, so it's a hard market. It's a hard market in terms of the getting a job in the studio system or in a production company. But on the flip side, people are making more of their own stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's more of a equal opportunity in trying to, you know, make your own stuff. Very cool. How, how did you uh, bust into the business 23 years ago? Well, I was, you know, I'm on the writing, producing, and developing side. So I started off as a script reader. So, you know, my first show was Eon Flux. Oh, right on. 94. Okay. And I just was a lucky kid who found uh, an assistant position. At a big company, you know, through like a temp pool, and my boss had a bunch of scripts, and I just was like a business school major, and I was, uh, I'll read these scripts for you, boss. And I gave very organized notes on like what I thought worked and didn't work. And luckily, I had uh, done uh, mythology as a minor, no so kidding. I was studying storytelling. I knew structure. I knew Joseph Campbell. I knew Hero of a Thousand Faces, heroic journey. I knew like classic mythological through line. So I could look at a script and say, oh, yeah, there's a missing beat here, or uh, this character arc doesn't complete, or, uh, you know, if you want to establish the villain here, you've got to pay it off there. So all my notes are very organized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after four or five months of reading scripts and giving notes, the boss was like, well, why don't you run with this project? Well, why don't you keep on that project? Because you know what it's about. That's that, uh, me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was. Yeah, that was the exact moment. Very cool, man. What's some of the other big projects you worked on? Uh, in the 90s, I, I worked on uh, the pilot for Celebrity Deathmatch. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I love Celebrity Deathmatch. Yeah, I worked on Daria. Oh, um, nice. I I actually did marketing for the Max, you know, which is the 94 series based on Sam Keith's comic book. I'm not familiar Pretty with that one, yeah. If you're going to watch an old 90s animation, watch the Max. Okay. It is really, really unique. Okay. I really, really advise it. You won't see anything like that. It's, it's crazy. The Max? The Max. The okay. two X's. Yeah. I'm going to write that down right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did a comedy called Spy Groove. Uh, I did another one. Jeez. Uh, Cartoon Sushi was my first show, which is a compilation show about just like where I put like little shorts in. And then, of course, in the 2000s, I worked in Japan. I, I did Afro Samurai. Oh, nice. For, Sam Jackson. Uh, Sam yeah. Jackson. I yeah. was the lead kind of producer on that project. And then um, I worked recently. I worked on Sonic the Hedgehog as a consultant. Um, I have a new project with Fox Home Video that is unannounced. I can't announce it yet. Right. It's coming out. And then um, what's the other one I worked on? Oh, I worked on a kid's show for Disney called Slug Terra. Like 39 episodes. It was on Disney XD. Hmm. Basically, it's like underground, subterranean, 
action adventure show mm-hmm. where kids have pistols that shoot monsters like Pokemon. Oh, right on. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so, nice. Yeah. I was in Canada for that, yeah. So out of all the projects that you've worked on, what's one that really sticks out in your head has been, like, the most challenging, where you were like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, and then you got through it, and it and it turned out awesome? That's a good question. Um, let me think about that. Go ahead. I think Afro Samurai Season 2 yeah? was one of the more difficult ones because we had lightning in a bottle the first season. It just was unique. It was crazy. People gave it the, what the F, you know, the whole time. But when you're walking into second season development, it's like, how do we recreate the spark? Right. How do we do it again? And although I'm totally happy with Afro Samurai Resurrection, I just feel like it wasn't as good a series as the first one. Mm-hmm. Like, the first one was a breakthrough. And the second one was a celebration of the first one. Gotcha. You. you know what I mean? Okay. It's so okay. And I feel like we kind of settled in instead of went crazier. You know. So All right. We delivered. It was great. We actually got the Emmy for the second series because we didn't qualify for the Emmy for the first series because we didn't have enough episodes. So you, you you've won Emmy. Yeah, I won an Emmy for. Uh, Dude. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've won an Emmy. The I you know, no big deal. <laughs> well, the show won the Emmy. The production company actually gets it, so yeah. I don't actually have it sitting in my house. Oh, okay. But you know, that, like, that looked great in my bathroom. Well, but, you know yeah, what I mean? Still, it's still on that resume, though. It's still on the resume. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Eric, thank you so much for your time, yeah, yeah, man. It was an absolute for pleasure for yeah. sure, for sure. Uh, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Very cool, it. man. Thank you. All right. Okay, so Transformers Combiner Wars, you can watch that at the Go90 app. Uh, you go to go90.com. All the episodes are up there. They're only five minutes. They start strong. They end strong. Will, you saw them yesterday. You know how good they look. The animation is fantastic. Fantastic. It's a beautiful show. Uh, they do, a gr- like like we said, uh, you know, it does a very gr- uh, good job of encapsulating, like, all the emotion from all of the different Transformers, which is really cool. Um, so, Without further ado, we're going to get on to our next interview uh, that we got from Monroe Comic Con. Returning again for the most appearances, the record held for most appearances (laughs) on the Ninja Starship, (laughs) Casey Pierce returns this time uh, to talk about the debut of Nora Issue 2, published by SourcePoint Press. Uh, She debuted it yesterday at the uh, Monroe Comic Con, and it's absolutely fantastic. Artist Sean Seal blows it out of the water again. So, all right, let's, let's just get to the interview. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are reporting live. Reporting live? Recording live. Did I say that on the last one? I said reporting. Yeah, you, did. you were oh, thinking about your shit. epic death. We are reporting live. We are reporting live. We're Jimmy Reporting Fox. live from Monroe Comic Con. See? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> reporting live from Monroe Comic Con. Recording live from Monroe Comic Con. The... F- the... <laughs> the most famous. The most beautiful. Fucking talented writer ever. <laughs> Casey Pierce is in the house. Get out of here, man. Debuting Nora number two today, October 1st, 2016. There's a red weenus in this book. There is red weenus. There is red weenus. Um, but again, c- congratulations. Thank you, Great Jimmy. job. That means the world to me. It has. It's, it's not titled Nora 2 Red Weenus. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> so, a little problem with it. No, but, but. the. Uh, Dick's out for Nora. The first, one, the first one I read at C2E2, and uh, it choked me up in front of a couple guys, and I had to kind of cover it up and be like, oh, something in my eye, bro. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, this one. It, it didn't bring me to that level, but it totally gave me the Chris Griffin what? at this one part. 
And hey, you felt something. I did. I did. Me. And you know what? What you do so well, and what I admire about your writing so well is that you, or so much, is that you really just suck the person in, and it's 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 a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Next page, you're you're underwater, and you're just like, oh my god, what is going on? And you're you're page turning, page turning, and then you get punched in the face with this twist where you're like. <laughs> Whoa! What is going on here? Like this book and your writing style is is absolutely amazing. I'm so proud of Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. That means so much to me. I love it. I'm just, just gonna keep, you know. You know, I mean, you up about it. <laughs> <laughs> as I write these characters and these scenarios, like you know, science fiction, of course, fiction, fantasy. Um, even though the realm is fiction, I try to make the people in it or the characters as human as possible Mm -hmm. so that you do feel what they feel or know what you would feel in that moment because they're very honest about what they feel um no you did you you did very well with with uh making you care about these characters that's that's the thing that that really stands out is because like you can read a lot of different comics and and there's expendable characters and even the main superhero or main character of the of the book you might not really be fully emotionally invested in right the man in this story you are fully invested in 100% you feel the emotion that he's going through mm-hmm. towards the end of this of this book and it's like wow I, like i can't say anything else but wow like you just you have that writing just deep. It is so deep. Everything well, that you've done, you. even from Pieces of Madness to, to Nora 1 to Nora 2, I can't wait to see what you come out with next. And, and the tease that you left at the end of this book <laughs> lets me know where this is going. Oh, yeah, I'm little, like, little snippets. It's another piece that I'm leaving in this puzzle and uh, this puzzle of uh, that puts together a picture of why and how she does what she does. Um, and that will be revealed in four issues. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of you know, as we Slowly go, let's, let's enjoy the ride. But then at the end of issue four, you're going to be like, I get it. I don't want to give a spoiler on this because I want people to have the same reaction that I had when they get to that certain part in the book. But without spoiling it, when it comes to that, where did you get the idea to do what you did in this book? Like, how did how did did you have to research this to figure out that that's something that happens? I I knew that that was something that happened. I didn't know how it happened, so that part I had to research. Um, I, I unfortunately have known people who have had that happen during pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I was thinking to myself, well, if if a coma is a metaphysical house in space, if you absorbed a twin, then spoiler revealed. <laughs> well, I mean, no, not, not not really because. Then it's like the ultimate are you are you carrying are you, you carrying another soul? If so, what would that be like? Wow! So your soul is in this metaphysical house in space, but what if you were sharing that space and you didn't know it? And that that other soul was living there, and you had no idea. Just mm-hmm. God damn, Casey! You like blowing my mind right now. <laughs> I don't do drugs. I swear. I've been asked that before. No, like that was. It's 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 that level of, of greatness. Like that's what really threw me for that because I had never heard of something like that. And then when I read it, I'm like, oh my god! Like how is this? Like I had to like look this up and be like, it's just real. Like how does this happen? And oh shit! Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It's like the ultimate DBZ fusion, just like in real life and it happens and like I can't imagine like the kind of 
uh, what's emotions that you would have when you discovered that something like that, especially with how, how in the book he never knew, like right. nobody ever told him, and then boom, like he finds out that way. You know, or wait, no, did no, they, they did tell him when he was young. Yes, that he mm-hmm. had, but it didn't say how or anything. But I'm sure at some point or another, I mean, as much of a, a rough demeanor, he's a teenage boy mm-hmm. that he carries. He had to have thought throughout his life, "What if?" Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, uh, aesthetically, that is based on uh, mariachi illustrator John Marroquin, and of course, Dirk Manning writes uh, it's mariachi. Just like him, by the way, I know it does. Sean, it Sean's just good. Like him. Sean Seal's really Sean good. Sean Seal, this dude. For as humble as he is, let me tell you something. We are going to blow this dude's ego out of the water because, it, like, seriously, what he lays down, man, is just unparalleled to anybody else out there. It's yeah. that good. Like, that's... I was telling Travis the other day, I was like, you know, I said, the team you have with Casey and Sean is such a dynamic duo, and I mean that in the most unbatman like way because it really is. Like, what you write... Plus, what with his visuals really sucks you in, and that's what because you can see it, you can see the emotion in their faces, mm-hmm. you can see, yeah, you know, like like the one scene where in the book where you read it and it gives that that close up of the soul that that's uh, in his coma, okay, yeah. and like you see that close up, you can see all the emotion, and he does such a good job at capturing that. That yeah. was just he, he's mind blowing. Like, yeah, you know his work and. I, like I'm, I can, I'm like doing a horrible interview because I can't even speak. I'm just no, like, this is so. <laughs> I appreciate good that. Book. And you know what? That's genuine, people. That's genuine. So you know, you know, it's good if Jimmy says it's good. Um, but when I was looking for an illustrator, I've always known that Sean's work to me looked heavy and atmospheric. Well, my writing is very heavy. Atmospheric. And it, it does. It, when when I was primitive and didn't know shit from Shinola, I'm like, how is he doing that? Is that like color pencil? And I asked him one day, and I had really spoken to him at all. He's like, uh, I'm painting it. I'm like, oh, that's why, because it's a painting. Well, I like that, sir. The only like I saw, uh, I believe I read. I think it was the rot was the first thing I ever saw him do. Todd McFarlane came out with a book called Savior, and I read that shortly after, and I swear to God, Sean was on that book, because it's like, I'd never seen that kind of artwork in comics. Right. You know, and then once I saw that, I was like, wow. Fine art brought to the panels. And then... Boom! I see it in Savior, something not not just like it, but similar. And I'm like, they're doing it on this level. Like this guy is going to be huge, yeah, absolutely huge. And Sean and is so modest too. And, no, this guy, no, <laughs> Sean, if you're listening, you're amazing, absolutely. He thinks amazing. you're amazing. He thinks all you guys are amazing. Uh, feeling mutual. <laughs> <laughs> so. Tell people where they can find Nora 2 and get copies of this. Uh, you can find it at sourcepointpress.com, or if you're coming to New York next week, I will be at New York City Comic Con. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, is, that, is it at the sourcepoint.storeenvy.com or just Sourcepoint Press? I believe it is in the store. Okay. It should be. Okay, so sourcepointpress.storeenvy.com. Mm-hmm. And if you use offer code NinjaStarPod, you will get 20% off on this book, and it's worth every Penny. Thank you. And issue one should be on there too. But but totally worth saving that twenty percent totally to make worth Jimmy saving happy. Twenty percent, so I can look. And you back. deserve that twenty percent. You deserve that twenty percent off because you listened yeah, you to the listen. greatest podcast ever, the Ninja Starship. Boom. And Starship Trooper. Note, drop the mic. Yep. Bam. 
episode. Re-engaged. Are we live? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Three, two, one. All right. I'm oh, sorry. Well, I heard. I heard that. that Paul podcast Detroit. Oh, da, da, da. So I figured something was going on. All right. Uh, again, www.sourcepointpress.storeenvy.com. Enter offer code NinjaStarPod. You will receive twenty percent off when you order Nora two or anything from SourcePoint Press. Um, again, that's NinjaStarPod, all one word. All right. Moving on. <laughs> I'm still tired from yesterday. Okay, so uh, Flash and Arrow are coming back this week, and we have the synopsis for Flash uh, episode one of season three. It is the Flashpoint is what's happening, and the storyline is we pick up on – this is from comicbook.com. We pick up on Barry three months after him changing the timeline. He has trapped the reverse Flash in a cage. His parents are alive, but his love interest, Iris West, doesn't know who he is. Do his friends at, or neither do his friends at Star Labs. With the changes come new enemies, new speedsters, and a whole new world of Flashpoint. We're going to have Kid Flash in this. Uh, Wally West is is a speedster now. Um, I, when I watched the trailer of this, I saw like another speedster who's wearing a black thing, and I guess that's how we're supposed to know that he's the bad guy because he's you know yeah. got the black costume. Dark suit. On. I got the dark suit. I heard Jesse Quick's in suit up too. Jesse Quick, really? Yeah, really. Nice. That's why. I, I don't know if it's going to be the first episode, but uh, I guess sometime this season oh. they're going to suit her up. Well, either way, I'm extremely excited for this. comes back on 7 o'clock on the CW. 7? In the 7? There's 8. Oh, eight. shit, it's 8 o'clock. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, that's seven. right. Whoa. My bad. <laughs> 8 o'clock. Eastern time. Yeah, and just seven. remember, too, for people like me, um, it's not going to be Hulu anymore, so we're going to have to... Make sure you watch on the CW.com. Oh, yeah. What's their, what's their streaming? Netflix. What's it called? Isn't it called something? Or is it it's like Seed? CW, the CW Seed. CW yeah. Seed, yeah. Yeah, but it's usually go to CW.com. It takes you there. Or Netflix, you know, whichever. But Netflix once the season ends. Oh, once the season ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, well, you know what? They should have it on Hulu, though, right? No, no. no, no, no they lost, wow. their, they yeah. lost their Hulu deal. Yeah. It's going to Netflix yeah. now. Yeah, wow. it's um, yeah. Yes. The, the CW parent company negotiated a deal with Netflix and that trumped the CW's mm-hmm. Hulu deal so they had Hulu had to drop they them. came in they were like wow. it's gonna be huge <laughs> 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 so uh, I mean you know with with, with the constantly evolving storyline of the flash I mean like I said this guy's he made an emotional decision at the last season yeah, and he just emotional. very emotional but he it's like you lost you lost your father yes mm-hmm. but i mean his ass was old anyway he was going to die in about 10 15 years <laughs> so then you got <laughs> I know it's insensitive, but like you finally got Iris, oh, right? You finally old. got Iris. You finally got Iris. His dad was that old either. Though. I don't. Well, fuck that. Guy. <laughs> I'm just saying. He left. Like he got out of jail and left. So fuck you. Dude. All right, look, the only here. reason why I don't give a shit anyway is because for the first season, the whole first half, we had to watch Barry bumble like a little bitch over his love for Iris, and then when he finally gets what he wants at the end of this, everything lines up, away. and then he's like, "Nope, I'm going to change the timeline because both my parents are dead." When. What is with DC characters Dude, and, and parent issues? I don't know. You know, Batman, like yep. he he's got all Superman. kinds of fucked up problems. He's just got a lot of money. That's the only, I mean, that's just what it is. Barry is just really fast, but he's broke. 
but he's emotional as fuck, yeah. and he's got parent issues. Like, oh, I lost both my parents. Wham. Guess what? Maybe the maybe the speed problem is what's fucking these people up, or these powers <laughs> problem. It's because you know it, when a normal human loses a loses a parent or something like that, it's like, oh man, that really fucking sucks. I'm gonna cry for a little while, but then life goddamn stone moves and then on. They get laid. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. You go do your thing. This guy, I can run really fast, and I can fuck Iris West as fast as I want to. Finally, finally. You know, and you, I'm gonna go ahead. Dude, you and could speed on. fuck that girl in a way that she's never been speed fucked before. Yeah, she'll never leave. <laughs> <laughs> she'll never know what's going on. She won't even know what's going on. Be like, she'd be what like, did you hell? come? He'd be like, 15 times. Just... <laughs> um, all right, moving on to Arrow now. Uh, season 5 premiere of Arrow. Yeah. This, I'm excited for this season. I know you are, I'm Will. Pumped. It's uh, and, and it's about, about time it. that they kind of like you know. Well, last season with Ariel really kind of struggled because you had the debut of Legends of Tomorrow and mm-hmm. you know all these winds and twists and flash. Yeah. So it's like the, and then you know then we had Supergirl too to yep. contend with. What? Well, yes, it wasn't on the CW yet, but that was still a show people were watching. And yeah. with all of these you know uh, superpower storylines and everything that's happening, Arrow was kind of like eh, there was kind of the. It was first, but it's it's darker, hanging on, yeah. But, but it's also it's the darker, grittier of the shows. That's yeah. true. I mean, it's the good, Flash man. But I'm like, is is, is a much more upbeat, lighthearted. Yes. Yeah, the, there's a lot more Legend, feeling. Legend Tomorrow mm-hmm. was kind of this fun, like uh, team yeah. show. Yep, mm-hmm. tiny you know, limey so, team so show. Arrow's a little darker. I think in some episodes a little bit more mature and something. So it's just like it's not. Even though it was first, it's not the one that's the most popular anymore. Right. And, like, it seems like, you know, this time we have other characters to, to deal with. Like, yeah. he's going to start yeah. training a, a new team. Yeah, well, yeah that's, what I, that's what I like is, is it's like he's – they're kind of like – they've kind of, I think, for some of the characters reached a storyline. And mm-hmm. so they're moving on and bringing these new, younger, fresh heroes in. Well, uh, according to Den of Geek, like, this, this episode's called Legacy. It's the first uh, episode of Arrow for this season. And they're saying that there is – so many hand-to-hand combat scenes in this first episode that it's comparable, if not better, than some of the stuff that we saw in Marvel's Daredevil. Wow! Ooh. I mean, that's big shoes to yeah. fill. Yeah. So, I mean, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be very skeptical of that <laughs> of that claim. <laughs> but if it happens, I mean, hell yeah, way to kick off the series because you know they can do that. Mm-hmm. But. After we saw those lame-ass fight scenes that you and I talked about, Norm, with Damian Dark, where it was the totally really weird uh, body double that they had come in with the completely Mm -hmm. different shaped head that was totally easy, you know, to spot. Just threw it off. They threw it off. It took you completely out of the fight. He was that much different. You're like, that's fucking fake. And I don't even understand why that—I still don't understand why that dude wouldn't do his own fight scenes. Maybe he just couldn't fight. Probably, you know, movie I'm, fight. I'm How do you not? Was, yeah. I mean, it's fake fighting. Maybe you just see I mean, that. He was an awesome villain. Like, yeah. Well, he, he beat the shit ass. out of the Rock in that one movie, Walking Tall. He was yeah, the bad guy in that movie. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, and he was fucking the Rock up for a minute. You he know, plays such a good dickhead. He's a great yeah. dickhead. Yeah. yeah, his head's even a dickhead. <laughs> that's why, He's a like, it was so dickhead. easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it was so easy to spot him. But you know, I mean. Th- I, I really hope that we can pull ourselves out of the kind of arrow funk, or the show can pull itself out of the arrow funk that it was in, which would be nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried about it because you know they got that one uh, nerdy dude, you know, the one that was helping Felicity out with everything. And oh yeah, now yeah. he's gonna be a, a fighter and a yeah, bad guy. He, he, dude, he, but, uh, he, but he's an old school comic villain uh, uh, hero. 
Is he? Like, yeah, he's like his characters from like the I think the eighties maybe. Like he's uh-huh. like He's kind of like a D-list DC character. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I was pretty excited when I saw they were inducing him. I mean, that'll help. I mean, he's like, I'm sorry. When I get nervous, I make uh, random pop culture references. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, we got I a mean, Felicity who's going to fight? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely think, well, for me, what, what drove me nuts was two seasons ago when they did the Batman storyline. Yeah. When they, when they With made. With the Ra's al Ghul stuff. Yes, yeah. when they made the show. Just a Batman storyline with Oliver Queen. Yeah, yeah. and but I can't just, hate on that. You want to know why? Because we got Nisa Al Ghul out of yeah. it. And like, oh my god, that is my TV love, straight up. Yeah, so She's fine. fine. No, Fences Katrina. When I ass. I met Katrina Law, who plays her oh, in you real did? life. Yeah, at uh, Grand Rapids Comic Con, and me and Jay Clark, like we both were walking and saw her. <laughs> we both stopped. I'm like, look. It was like it was like in, in Tenacious D when he's like when they see the Tenacious and D oh, on their yeah. asses. The guy's like, guys. Look, it was like one of those moments. I'm like, Jay, Jay, look, dude, whoa. And he's all like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, dude, dead in our tracks, gorgeous. And and it's weird, too, because, like, she's fine as hell on the show. And then in real life, she's even more fine. It's crazy. Um, We got anything else for, for Arrow? I think that's about it. No, we got the other two shows coming next week, Supergirl and... Uh... Super, the following week, the following, yeah, the yeah. following week. I'm following interested week. to see what they're going to do with Supergirl. I'm, I'm very excited, I'm excited for Supergirl. I, you know what? I really like Supergirl and Flash's chemistry. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it's freaking awesome. Yeah. And, you I'm know, a little worried about that uh, that musical that's going to happen, uh, yeah, but at the same time, that. like, I'm keeping an open mind. I really yeah. am. It's just, I, I'm, I'm wondering exactly how it's all going to play out. I mean, I get yeah. Grant Gustin and Melissa are Glee alumni. Yep. And we've, we learned that here on the show. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad, too, that they're making Superman a big part of the show, too, from the looks of it. From yeah. the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, this that is, was this one is of my deal. Me was, season one of Supergirl, though, was bug me as Superman wasn't in it. It just made no sense. Except for his boots and a couple yeah, of little... Yeah, yeah. Or, or just shadow like, shots. This oh. dude, though, man, like, like I, I, I said this online, you know, he really has to... And I, okay, I get it. All right, I had the conversation where oh, he doesn't have to look big. He his muscle. He wouldn't need yeah. muscles if he's really crypto. Yeah. Listen to me, dude. Since I was a child, he was huge. Yeah. Oh, he was a super man. Well, this- I don't want to see accountant level <laughs> a banker guy that can lift up cars and shit. Okay, like and and like I said, this guy's gonna have to win me over with his acting. I mean, he uh, he's gonna have to, to be, be charming as hell. He's going to have to be lovable as hell, and there's going to have to be some badass things. Now, my only fucking problem, <laughs> this is, all right, here's another one. This, this is another problem. Not my <laughs> all right, when I saw the the uh, teaser trailer for this first episode, they're catching a fucking uh, on the a shuttle. Yeah, yeah, yep. but and they catch a shuttle. Now, have you noticed that for some goddamn reason, whenever DC Comics... Debuts a new superhero type person, they have to catch a goddamn plane or something out of the fucking sky every goddamn time. Even in the new Batman comic that's out right now, when where Gotham Girl and Gotham uh, debut in this, they first show up. Batman is on a plane, and it's like, well, what the fuck are you gonna do, man? Like he's like sitting there doing whatever, like, and then these guys just come up and grab the plane and fly it up and land it to safety. And 
uh, Superman with Brandon Routh. When Brandon mm-hmm. Routh was Superman, he catches he the, plane. the plane. When, as soon as he comes Chris back, Reeves caught the plane. Fucking the Supergirl, helicopter. first episode, season one, saves a goddamn plane. Yep. And now yep. again, they save a space shuttle. That looks like a fucking plane. <laughs> so it's the same thing. I mean, it's, it's like, give me something else. Like, I get it. Like, oh, danger. They're falling from the sky. Nothing could save them except for people that fly and are strong and stuff. Give me something else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How about, how about stop the train? How about stop the train? <laughs> stop a car. Stop a... Eat some fucking, like, yeah, chemical can, like, warfare shit or something about to go yeah. off. You know, like oh, some yeah. super deadly shit, and, like, yeah. he just, like, slurps it up like a fucking milkshake. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it would just be a... You see, a, I know that's a terrible idea. idea. I'm just saying. No, I think it's a great idea. I'm sorry. I think it would be cool, this. though, if they did it to where it's, like, you see a guy robbing the bank, and you see him pull the trigger... The bullet comes out, and all of a sudden... Like old boom, school was. There's, like, yeah, there's right Superman. In, yeah. You see the bullet bounce off the S, and then you Bounce see off the, his ass? The S. Oh, the S. S. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I thought it was yeah. about, you. <laughs> you see it bounce off his ass. I'm like, where this totally changed. They did cast sexy for girls, so... Yes. <laughs> yeah, and like, the bullet just hits him in the ass like, tink, and he turns around like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy playing uh, Superman, he was Big Muscles in Teen Wolf. Like, he was the big dude on Teen Wolf. Okay, like, he, he was the was alpha. Mr. <laughs> Swole, like, hey, yeah, this yeah, is my yeah. shit when he first started. Yeah. He doesn't look that big. He does Superman. not look that big. Not and I'm close. sorry, dude, but Henry Cavill is a monster. Yeah. And when you have that guy as your big screen Superman, he's much more than a big screen Superman. He's just yeah. a big dude. Superman, to me, has always been a big dude. Even in the New 52, yeah. he was still pretty yep. big. Yep. You know, it's like he's, he just had that that look to him. That's just what I see. And I know it's not, like I said, I'm not saying that I'm going to hate this fucking Superman just because he doesn't look that way. I have not seen him act yet. He has to play that He has role. to play that role, absolutely. Now, right. I could fall in love with this guy. We could see this, like, two, three, four episodes down the line. I could be all about this Superman. But just from my first unbiased yeah. fucking fir- maybe it is biased I don't know but my first like view of this guy I'm just I'm not impressed it's just not what I see as Superman yeah, especially no. when we got that first image of him it was like I feel he like, looks like a bitch I, 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 I feel <laughs> like this is the CrossFit Superman and you want the and, and you want the Arnold Superman I want the Arnold Superman <laughs> you want the guy yeah. who's in the gym seven days a week and we're getting the guy who's, yes. who's doing CrossFit seven well, days a week superpowers with a big girly cape <laughs> <laughs> um, so debuting Friday. Oh, by the way, I totally didn't know about this because it got totally overshadowed by Luke Cage news. Uh, Force Friday was last Friday, so all of the toys for Rogue One really? got released. Yeah, they didn't do as big deal as they, they did, did last year. It was not. No. That's why I'm saying it flew under the radar. Now, yeah. I don't see that happening for Episode Eight. But as far as this, this, one, this yeah, kind of flew this under is the radar, man. This is more Rebel-type thing. So. And maybe it was because, like, you know, the uh, Episode 7, it was the first one and how long, and they just blew it up like crazy, and then everybody went after the little BBE, uh, or BBE, BBE, hey. yeah, <laughs> uh, fucking little, you know, remote control uh, little deals. Yeah. But, like, this time, like, I didn't hear anything about Force Friday at yeah, all until like, that night, and it's like, oh, yeah. by the way, Happy Force Friday! And I, I think I saw it on like Instagram or something. I'm like, come on, yeah, like like last year was like Target was doing like a huge rollout campaign. People mm-hmm. were like lining out the door for it. Yeah, I mean, I figure like like I said, it's probably less powers, it's less Jedi, it's more Rebel type thing. Yeah, so yeah, we'll kind of downplay it to see how it works out. Right, if it works out, then for Christmas we'll push it hard. Right, but 
Yeah, yeah. You gotta feel it out. You I'm, know? I'm guaranteed. Well, yeah, you're probably right. They wanted to test it out because this mm-hmm. is a newer thing. This doesn't carry with it. Episode seven yeah. or episode exactly. six. Wait, you know. So they're yeah. like, this is the first like side type thing. Well, we'll know going. for sure next year when yeah, Force Friday happens again for episode eight. Yeah, yeah I guarantee you it'll be much bigger, and we'll uh-huh. know about it weeks and weeks before. Oh, definitely. Well, and especially episode eight is going to be. Finn and Ray were such breakout characters that they're going mm-hmm. to double down hard in that merch oh, for those definitely. characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because I, I feel like for episode seven, a lot of the merch was focusing heavily on Leia and Han, you know, in, in the classics, you know. Did you guys hear the rumor that uh, Snoke might be Mace Windu? Yeah, I've heard. Uh, really? No, I've heard that. Yeah. I heard it might be. <laughs> I heard some rumors that maybe he's uh, a clone of, like, he was one of the Boba Fett clone clones the, or a clone oh, really? of the Emperor. Yeah. yeah, I heard a clone of the Emperor. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I just I it's, keep hearing these weird, whacked out theories. I I'm love like, these. Theories. I fell into <laughs> I fell into the Mace Windu one for a second, and I'm like, other than the fact that I see them both being bald, I don't see how this happens. And then like I watched this video where one guy was like, "Well, he didn't technically die because Force Lightning has never killed anybody. Uh, and he, he got fell thrown out, out of the window, window like, and he could have he could have Jedi landed somewhere, and and it wasn't Anakin's intention to kill him. So no, there's nothing saying that he never really died. We didn't see this." And then I watched this other video where this guy's like, well, actually, Force Lightning has completely killed somebody. If you watch, and he's like, he goes in Rebels, the Force Lightning killed a character in Rebels, which I don't, I'm not, I don't watch Rebels at all. Oh, Rebels is good. Yeah, that's yeah, what I keep hearing. Good. I keep hearing it's phenomenal. I just, I'm not going to watch Disney so XD is, for so that. So is Clone Wars, Clone Wars, and which Clone Wars is on Netflix. If you yeah. get a chance to watch this, it, watch it's just it. the animation style of it really kind of, it, it's not my off. thing. Yeah, yeah, it throws yeah. me off. And I, I understand, like, I'm sure the storyline and everything is, is fantastic. Hearing from all the other people that I t- that I talked to that do watch that, they've all said, "Oh, the story is really, really great." I, I don't know. I just I'm not going to not enjoy the visuals for a good story. Like I'd rather create my own visuals in my head and read the fucking thing yeah. instead of watching it on on Disney XD. You know, that's just that's just me though. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, I'll be curious to see where they go with it. Um, I thought it was over. Apparently, maybe this will be the last season of it, but. I'm all about, there's a lot that went on in the movies that we already knew. One through six. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that fucking went on. And, yeah. you know, I feel like, all right, I, you're getting to the point where I feel like you're cramming too much into this timeline mm-hmm. just because you want to throw in extra stories and throw extra characters in there. Like, give me something past this now. Come on, let's 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 move on. I mean, we've got add, seven. They don't want to do that. Give me a filler between six and seven. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Rebels well, seven, is. Yeah. No, Rebels is Rebels uh, is before between, Rebels is between three four and four. And five, three, three and four. four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's all Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um also well, like I said, it got over uh the uh, Force Friday by, got totally yep. overshadowed by Luke, uh, Cage. Luke Cage, which we're not going to really get into too much for the fact that none of us have really binged the whole thing it's not yet. For me, well, and not neither the whole has thing. everybody. And I don't want to be that show that's like people Spoiled. click in for yeah, and they're like, oh yeah, we already seen everything. And then, yeah, but because it, it just came it, out, yeah. yes. And I get like you know the hardcores have already watched it, and I consider myself a hardcore, but I was fucking busy. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
So like Casey this week, cut you guys off last week for spoiling yeah. Magnificent Seven. <laughs> oh yeah, she was like, "I'm not Shout watching." You spoiled Magnificent Seven. Oh no! Like she threw her headphones off. Well, like, it, no. well, she did it basically, yeah, because it came out of nowhere. Because Will, he's all like, "Oh yeah, fuck it." We're like, "Oh no, you guys, oh yeah, let's we're not gonna spoil it." Then. Oh, no, we're gonna. It's like, like, "Oh, we're gonna talk about Magnificent Seven. Yeah, Chris Pratt dies." Oh, did he say that we weren't going spoil it? We usually do, but we usually kind of give some kind of a warning. Warning before. Your just, you have a sound bit. I that. do. Yeah. We have the sound bit. It's, it's all right. It is what it is. And then it got to the good stuff. So if you threw your headphones off like Casey, go back and listen. Yeah, go back and listen to the Sorry, rest. Casey. It was hilarious. <laughs> the rest of the show was hilarious. It was one of my favorites. Uh, I was wondering why you were being a little standoff. Uh, to me at the con. That's why. <laughs> you spoiled Magnificent Seven for us. I can sense the hate so coming mad. at it. <laughs> um, so for fun, I figured uh, I, I found this on ScreenRant.com. Mm-hmm. It's the 10 things you must know about Luke Cage because next week we are definitely going to oh. review Luke Cage. <laughs> you better get in. Uh, all right. So number 10 is the character was originally created due to the popularity of exploitation films. Luke Cage first appeared in 1972 under the title Luke Cage, Hero for Hire. The cover image of the comic seems to call the to mind the posters for black exploitation films, said hero in a badass outfit striking a fierce power pose and background noirish with smoke glowing signs and a sexy cigarette smoking girl. It kind of screams 70s. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, let's see. Number like nine. Shaft. He does. He does. He looks like shaft. Shaft. A badass shaft. Yeah. With, like, a chain belt. <laughs> and a tiara. <laughs> uh, his alter ego was Power Man, a moniker he held on and off throughout the years. And we, I did watch a couple episodes of this new, and they already they said, yeah. they call it, he's like, all right, whatever you say there, Power Man. Yep. You know? yeah. it, was, it was good little throwbacks to that. Well, even the hero for Hyrule, there's some, there's some little throwbacks to that, too. Yeah. Yeah, and even the old costume with the on the wrist, the uh, steel on the wrist, and... Yeah, even the tiara. They throw that into the teaser or one of the trailers. <laughs> yeah, his little princess tiara, and they show it at some point in the show, and it's like, uh... <laughs> I mean, you know, it was probably cool back then. You know what I'm saying? But like now, you're like, <laughs> you know, what do you did you borrow that from Wonder Woman? Right, <laughs> exactly. Is that the one she didn't want? Like, <laughs> yeah, like did, did you did you go over to Marvel and say, or to DC and say, hey, I need to borrow that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got uh, his best friend is. Danny Rand, Iron Fist. Which I really hope they throw into this show. Oh, you know he's going to be in he's gonna be in Iron Fist. Yeah, they're they're gonna saying that, that he's supposed to get introduced in I'm Oh, he does? Through. Hopefully that's, at that's the end. They keep I'm saying. halfway through and there's no ties, no ties yet. No ties yet. Not a spoiler. All right. Yeah, Not don't, a spoiler. Don't do it. I, <laughs> now I'm, I'm going to be like, well, I know I ain't going to see Iron Fist until maybe after halfway through Thanks, Norm. ruined Norm. Now I'm going to have to just enjoy the first couple. Uh... He was born and raised in Harlem. Uh, and like I said, what we've seen so far, like real nice shots of Harlem, man. Yeah, Fucking, it tends to like they blend everything right in yeah. real nice. Uh, he, was, he was a petty criminal as a young man before seeking to better himself. Uh, he was unfairly, imp- oh, unfairly? unfairly <laughs> imprisoned on false drug charges by his former best friend. Ooh. That's that's a whole nother See, side I gotta story shut up right about there. A lot of this, because you know some of this. Don't is say not yet. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, some of it is gonna, different. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Uh, his powers were the result of a failed attempt at recreating Captain America's super soldier serum. Okay. I'll I'll totally buy that. I'll take that. Um, he dated Claire Temple. 
After using his new skills to escape prison, Luke Cage sets up shop in New York as a hero for hire. While there, he meets Claire Temple, a nurse who works for his doctor friend, Nora Bernstein, and the two quickly get together. Daredevil fans will recognize the character thanks to Rosario Dawson. That one, Night Nurse. I love her. Yeah, so uh, Luke Cage might be plowing Night Nurse in, uh, what, Defenders? Yeah, you know they better make it raw, bro. They better make it raw. They can't throw. They can't like just throw combat in the Daredevil series and throw a whole bunch of fucking in uh, Jessica Jones and then Luke Cage and then come to Defenders and go back to Pete. No, it better be Episode One. There's fucking. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see Luke Cage. Double teaming Night Nurse and fucking Jessica Jones. <laughs> Episode one, right away. There, there's uh, nipple covers. I'll say that. <laughs> oh yeah, I did yeah, see they that. They fucking yeah. blur that. They don't blur it out. No, but you but get some they, the covers. way they do it yeah. with the camera and the CGI. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Is this I did see that strip club scene. I was like, where's that strip club at? <laughs> uh, they said his relationship with Jessica Jones, but we all know that. Comics, if you in saw the comics, Jessica they Jones. have a kid, so they do. Yep. Yeah, in current yep. comics. Um, a movie was in the works for a decade before the Netflix show eventually materialized. You know what? From what I've seen so far, I don't really see him working into the movies. Like, if they tried to push a movie and then fit him into Captain America and the rest of them, it wouldn't really work out. He works right. out better with Jessica Jones and Daredevil more than anything else so far. Right. All right. You guys you got anything? They left the most important fact off. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> Nicholas Cage goes by Nicholas Cage because of Luke Cage. Because of Luke Cage? Yeah. Uh-huh. When, when he wanted his screen name, because he, he's um, part of the... Uh, well, he's, a huge, he's a huge comic fan. I know Yeah, that. well, he, he's part of the... Uh, the was it? The... Um, oh, I can't think of his family name now. He's like a really famous grandfather. I can't think of who it is. I don't know, but, but it's not Cage, though. Nicholas right? Cage? Cage? I have no idea. We'll look it up on I can't think. Of, I can't think of who it is now. It's... Um, I want to say... Oh, I know someone's screaming at me right now. Home. <laughs> well, we're gonna yeah, take a break. So, we'll so, take a break. So, so he changed his. Um, <laughs> he wanted to change his last name, so he his family relations wasn't the reason he was getting the gigs. Mm-hmm. So he chose Nick Nicholas Cage because of Luke Cage, one of his favorite heroes. Right on. Oh, Coppola. Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Yeah. Coppola. Oh, Coppola. Yeah, that's Coppola? His, his, I didn't know that. It's like his grandfather is a great uncle or something. No yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh. Right on. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ken Johnson with his new Kickstarter for a comic called Corpse Corp on the Ninja Starship when we return. Hello, kiddies. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to Ninja Starship Podcast with Jimmy McKnight. (laughs) Hey, what's happening, Starship Troopers? It's Jimmy McKnight, and I'm here to tell you about the brand new 52-page graphic novel from SourcePoint Press. Holliston Friendship is Tragic. That's right, Holliston the TV show is expanding into the graphic novel world. The characters from the TV series appear in this brand new standalone adventure being brought to comics for the very first time. It's so exciting. Adam, Joe, Corey, and Laura are about to discover just what their friendship can handle when Adam finds a cursed credit card and buys his friends some Halloween gifts. These presents are perfect. In fact, they're a little too perfect. Soon, mad killers, giant monsters, and evil aliens are on 
the loose, as well as the deadliest threat of all, success. Will the gang sell out? Will they ever speak to each other again? And what is the return policy for cursed credit card purchases? Find out in Holliston Friendship is Tragic. You can find Holliston Friendship is Tragic October 26th anywhere that SourcePoint Press is sold. But right now, if you go to sourcepointpress.storeenvy.com, you can pre-order this. And this is cool. This is what happens with the pre-order. Not only is it cheaper for you, but you ready for this? I'm even going to give you another one. For all my Starship listeners, if you use offer code NINJASTARPOD, you will receive 20% off of your already discounted order. And I'm not even done yet. You ready for this? For all my Starship listeners that use code NINJASTARPOD, you will receive a custom print drawn by Holliston Friendship is Tragic artist Stephen Sherrar. And what you're going to get is a print of yours truly, Jimmy McKnight, being devoured by zombie Power Rangers. Signed by the artist and myself and... You ready for this? I'm still not done. Original artwork from the comic for $4.99. Use offer code NinjaStarPod. Get your 20% off. Get your Power Ranger print. Get your original artwork right now. Sourcepointpress.storeenvy.com. Previously on the Ninja Starship. Did I just hear the bullshit come flying out of your mouth that Tron 2 was better than (laughs) Tron? I didn't say it was better. Oh, no, no. I believe your exact words <laughs> were because that movie, was, Tron 2, was so badass. And then Tron's a real hard watch. It was. It was a hard watch for me because... Let me tell you something, Ernster. <laughs> Back in the day, we didn't have the fancy schmancy CGI like you got today with the rocket cycles and the and the episode one with the Jar Jar and the crap. Tron was the pinnacle of CGI at the time. The little crappy cursor, we ate it up. The crappy derezzers, we ate it up. The crappy face in the master CPU, we asked for more. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joining us on the Skype lines is Ken Johnson, comic writer Ken Johnson. Welcome what? back to the show, my friend. How have you been? I've been great. Glad to be back. Hell yeah. It's great to have you back. Great to talk to you again, man. Welcome. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's sometimes you just it ends up being longer than you think it has been. I know, right? <laughs> um so uh, please like I'm I'm so excited to talk to you about this because this is a really cool idea. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, you've really started to make your mark with, uh, the man who watched Batman and, you know, really got your name out there. Uh, you did volume two and now you've got Corpse Core coming on. So, t- uh, t- for, for the listeners who are unfamiliar with Corpse Core, please pitch your comic. Well, essentially what Corpse Corp is, is, uh, Corpse Corp is usually described as a high concept slasher comic. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's a comic that tries to take a more, uh, self-aware and high concept look at the, classic slash movies of the 80s and the 90s right so um i've always kind of pitched it as kind of like a if kevin smith directed scream kind of thing right (laughs) um so it takes a lot of its dues specifically from like the self-aware 90s horror comics like uh like scream or (laughs) urban legends or stuff like you know like cabin in the woods tucker and dale versus evil and essentially what it does is it takes kind of like that cabin in the woods formula of a you know, a contained, there's a reason for all the killing kind of horror movie, but instead it goes off the premise that this, you know, evil corpse corporation company 
is actually filming all the deaths of these stupid teenagers and editing them and making horror movies to sell back the stupid teenagers. I love this. <laughs> Seriously, this <laughs> sounds so cool, man. So, like, uh, I, I, I know I kind of repeat myself when it comes to these interviews, but, like, I want to know, like, what, what, gave you the, uh, what gave you the inspiration to write this story? Is it, is it just from the love of those movies, or did you kind of, like, see them and figure you could, you know, do your own, uh, your own take on these stories? Well, a lot of it started with my wife. Um, my, my wife, Sarah, you know, she is like a giant horror fanatic. She always has He's been married, ladies and gentlemen. We have a comic writer who is married. <laughs> it happens. It happens. See? <laughs> All right, keep going, man. I'm, I'm sorry. So she's, a, she's a giant horror fanatic in particular, like the, like the 80s, like Friday the 13th kind of Nightmare on Elm Street kind of stuff. Yes. And um, when I started showing her like a lot of the more comedic stuff that I've made before. And I've always had like a weird, you know, like out of the ordinary sense of humor about it. And she was always curious about like, if I were to do a horror movie or if I were to do like a horror story, like what I would kind of do with it, like trying to do it in that weird kind of way. And what started as this idea where she just wanted me to make a joke, make a, a horror thing where she was going to be the one that died first. What it turned into is I came up with, this fun idea to uh, this sort of like horror villains around the water cooler thing that eventually turned into the idea of corpse corporation. And then eventually ended up using um, my likeness and personality to match over the killer. And then ended up matching up my wife as the, uh, as the last girl um, stereotype for the comic. So that's so in a way it's sort of, started as sort of a uh, thing to like share my wife's love of comic books. And then it kind of became like a horrifying, you know, horror movie love letter to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see like, you know, she get, uh, gets mad at you about something. You're like, you know what? I'm going to write something really mad about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill you today. In the yes, comic. I'm going to kill you in the comic. <laughs> you think you're the last girl, but you're not now. <laughs> um, so uh, your Kickstarter is live now, correct? Yes. Okay. So let's go over some of the rewards. What can people get for uh, contributing to your campaign? Well, um, some of the main ones, um, Everything past $15 is going to get you everything you need to read both of the issues of the comic book. Uh, the current one is kickstarting issue number two, and issue one comes out in probably about a month or so. Um, but past that, there's um, some other rewards that include getting digital or physical copies um, of the uh, the Man Watch Batman books that have been completed so far. And also during the the higher, the, um, the $50 and the $75 tier, uh, we did a variation on our first issue where we had kind of a uh, get yourself killed in the comic reward. Uh-huh. Nice. But you only could kill so many people, so we had to get a little more creative with it. So what we're doing <laughs> is we're creating a, a Kickstarter-exclusive alternate cover that's going to – and also making a poster version of it where all of the backers are going to be included in this giant macabre like uh, – uh, alternate cover where the swing time slasher villain was just murdered everybody and like you know <laughs> sort of this giant pile of corpses kind of thing right on. It's awesome yeah it's like a, <laughs> it sounds like a perfect like wall piece that if you donate to this campaign you get this poster get this comic frame it real nice put in your living room yes. yeah awesome nice little party uh topic <laughs> friends yeah. come like over we noticed on our last one all the more personal rewards sold out like so quickly so we made sure we made it at a decent level for people to do the things like, you know, getting your name in the comic or, mm-hmm. you know, getting on this big poster or that kind of thing. We knew those were going to be some big sells. So we made awesome. sure that we got those in there at a decent level. 
Awesome. And, and uh, a good uh, good move, um, in- including your uh, previous works too, as one of the uh, as one of the rewards too, man. Because the the men who watch Batman books are such a a wonderful companion to the animated series, man. Like that, if you don't, if you are a huge fan of the Batman animated series, you guys really need to pick up these two books because they are they're they're phenomenal in depth looks. At it's almost like every single episode, right? Uh yeah, every single episode. The first two cover ep- everything from episode one to 56. Um, and um, I haven't actually told anybody on a podcast or anything about this yet. Um, the, Ooh, rough volume- <laughs> yeah, the, rough the rough draft of volume three is done. I'm completed all the way up through episode 85. Wow. And volume three is releasing in December and Corin Roberts is doing the cover based off of the baby doll episode. You know, now that nice. I got you here and you did and, and you are such a, a fan of, of the animated series, uh, I want I want to kind of pick your brain for a second on what you thought of the killing joke, because you got Conroy and Hamill that came back to reprise the roles of Batman and the Joker. Right. But this was not seem to be very well uh, received by comic fans. At least the first half was definitely not well received. Right. I mean, I didn't, Um, I didn't even think it was necessary, but otherwise it would have been a very quick movie. Like it was a very quick read, but it was, it's just so good. Even that last half, you know, I'm I'm just curious to what you thought. I think part of that is the fact that it's, it's it's a shame that like even uh, Bruce Tim himself, which is the guy that got it, got, you know, got Batman out of, the you know the monotone gloomy perspective of mm-hmm. the the character is now like succumb to like that kind of like emotionally unbreakable version of Batman because mm-hmm. I can see that even that first story working so much better if they were ever actually able to let Batman emote the way he does in the Batman animated series like he is a badass in that series mm-hmm. but like he cries he panics he mm-hmm. you know like you know he he's tortured like he actually shows like significant emotion they're not afraid to make him look vulnerable you know, like in that show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if they were to, if the whole point of Batgirl in that story bowing out is because Batman can't, you know, handle like if anything bad happened to her, then actually seeing Batman look like legitimately upset about that would have been at least a step in the right direction. I wonder but if like to get more monotone Batman. Right. I, I wonder if like that whole like uncomfortable scene where like they had sex on the rooftop and then <laughs> it kind of goes into where like the next day like he was like try, being real standoffish and shit. I wonder if because Batman goes like so long in between piece to piece that he had some performance issues when he, <laughs> when, when, when he actually uh, took on Barbara Gordon and then you know like the next that's why he was all like, you're going to do what I say because that's like the one fight he lost where he didn't do good. <laughs> maybe. Th- maybe. Wonder, like, where do you find room for an erection in that suit? Exactly. Like, like that has to hurt, you know, and it, it, it yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think what happened was he didn't perform up to like a bat, a bat level. Uh, he wasn't bat fucking. Okay. And it, <laughs> it didn't, it just, it didn't work for him, but that's just my theory. Right. <laughs> I have to agree. I'm sorry, brother. We I totally like took us off the the whole look at your no, at your fine. at your Kickstarter. Catwoman usually cuts it out. Catwoman, so it. yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so all right. So anyway, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna post links for uh, for your Kickstarter on uh, Facebook.com forward slash Ninja Star Pod. Um, everybody that's hearing this, go to the page, check it out, uh, contribute to Ken's Kickstarter. Um, and and w- when does the uh, when does the Kickstarter end? 
Uh, the Kickstarter ends on November 5th. November 5th. Okay. Um, I don't know what Sunday falls around that time, but bef- right before your uh, Kickstarter ends, we're going to have you come back on uh, and, then, and, and talk about the progress that it's doing, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there, man. Absolutely. Like, we're doing fantastic so far. We've made, like, 25% in, like, 48 hours, so oh, we're doing dude. fantastic. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Uh, what, what is the uh, – do you have a website set up for this or anything where people can come find it and, and find out about it? Um, well, the, the Kickstarter itself has the majority of the information. There is okay. a Facebook.com slash Corpse Corp comic. Okay, cool. Um, but also, like, if you need to find it really quickly, you can just uh, tinyurl.com slash Corpse Corp. Okay. And that'll take you directly to the Kickstarter, and there's an ex- you know just an extensive amount of uh, information in the project and that kind of stuff. Um, and if you end up liking me online at uh, Facebook.com slash Inc. or slash Inc. pretty much anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, we're actually going to be posting uh, previews of the first issue's pages all throughout the month, giving people an idea of some of the stuff going into the comic and all that nice. kind of stuff. So okay. we got some re- it should be really cool as Can we I- see more of this take form. Can I ask a question here? Do you guys sure. play the uh, the Telltale series that just came out? Um, you mean the uh, the Telltale Batman series yes. that just came out? Yes. Oh, yes, I've been playing it. How do you guys feel about that? Um, I've been liking it so far, but the problem with Telltale usually is that you know, like it's usually around episodes like three or four that they they jump the shark, <laughs> yeah, and so I'm yeah. kind of waiting for it. Like I like the idea that they're taking so many liberties and like reinterpreting so many characters in a couple of cool ways. It's just I've I've been burned by Telltale before, and you know as much as I'm kind of enjoying it right now, I still kind of have my guard up that like I got mm-hmm. it's like I'm loving it so far, but they still have three episodes left to screw it up. That's cool. Yeah, I definitely hear you. Yeah, I was just curious your take on it, you know, and what you thought. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean for me in general, the thing I like about Batman is or the series of Batman in general as a whole is just is in general how malleable it is. And I think that once you get to the point when a certain character can only be made one way, yeah. then you've then you failed that character. That's my problem with most versions of Batman lately is we've settled into this one brooding, dark version of Batman. And now that that's the only way to do it, I feel like we failed the character that way. I totally agree, man. Hey, uh, all right, Ken, thank you very much for your time, dude. I appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us about uh, about your Kickstarter. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do our best to promote this for you and uh, look forward to having you back on the show. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much for having me. All right, man. Have a great one. All right. <laughs> so, Norm, you said uh, <laughs> before we started this show. <laughs> oh, you throw me off. Well, you look like a mess Shit. over here now. <laughs> I got this Shit. little sound effects thing here. We never used it. I was like, I wonder what this button does. <laughs> you want to um, but yeah, you uh, you told me uh, yesterday. You said I got a I got a oh big announcement. He's got a thing to say. Yeah, you got a thing to say. You got a Call big me. announcement. And you said I got I got to wait till the starship. I got to wait and and tell you I guys. I got to wait till we're live. Yes. You know? So all right, the 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 floor is yours. Wait, should we get should we get like th- no? I can't. Never mind. No, it's okay. Like, yeah. Wild out after if you need to wild out, wild out. You know, but you know. I'm the resident Uber driver. Right. We have one. You don't. Be, Be jealous. jealous. <laughs> do what you got to do. You right. know, this is what it is. But now I'm also the resident real estate agent. For- oh! oh, 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 oh
to himself. Yes. Now we get property, bitch. My applause is better. That's way better. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, on Friday. I was yeah. really excited. Like, nice. the whole time I was like, I can't wait to go on the show and tell them oh. that I'm not just the Uber driver anymore. They were also getting property, bitch. So like my houses are nice, nice, baby. My houses are nice, bitch. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Oh, yeah. I'm so proud of you. That's Thank fantastic, you, man. I've been studying for six months, and like I said, the no last one's moving on. Three months plus. I was like, I can't wait to tell them on the show live. Yes, I didn't even know you were studying to be a reason. No wait. You know what? I'm an I asshole. Did. You did, did tell me. But yes. I only mentioned it like once or twice just to keep it quiet because, like I said, I was working right, up right. to like, when I pass, I'm just going to drop it on air live. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Guys, I appreciate I'm it. I'm proud of you. That's Thanks, not an man. easy test to pass. World premiere again. announcement from Norm Larkins, <laughs> resident Uber driver and real yeah. estate agent. I can't We're getting real estate now, eh? Hell yeah. <laughs> what what was your little vanilla ice thing you just His did? His houses are nice, nice. Baby. I like that. That's from <laughs> uh, that's from step uh, step brothers because like uh, Will Ferrell's brother was like uh-huh. saying the ice ice baby. <laughs> okay, uh, Jess, Congrats. get break three ready because gotcha. we are about to. Oh, this is going to be good. Next oh. week we are doing a uh, a ninja starship first. We are going to have in studio Ooh. heavy metal Detroit band forces. And they are here. They are going to. We're going to play it for you right now. But we're also going to play it again next Live. week. The debut single from their highly anticipated album. This is Jaw Shatter in a world premiere, Ninja Starship world premiere, right now. World premiere. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero.
new single from the brand new uh, upcoming album release from Forces. This that was fucking hard as fuck, dude. It was right, awesome. That was awesome. We have Circle Fit going in this What's your request? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> when you, when, you, when they're playing next week, like you can't just start breaking all the shit in the studio. Yeah, okay? No, no, they're not playing in here. They're, we're oh, going to okay. just play that. Yeah, I'm going I'm to talk to them about seeing if they have anything acoustic that they can bring in. But uh, I, I think we're just going to play that and, and hear about their basically their journey from uh, forming the band to getting all the steps you have to take to actually get a successful demo. They have a lyric video out awesome. for this song as well. That's all on the page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Ninja Star Pod. You can find the uh, the lyric videos on our Instagram. Um, but yeah, check these guys out. Check the video out. Send them some feedback. Let them know what you think about this. And then tune in next week live because Forces will be here in studio. And we cannot wait. Yes. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have. That's so uh, that's, that's our show. That's our show. Check out our website, ninjastarpod.com. Click on the sponsors. Show our sponsors some love source point press tmnt box we love those guys they love us we want you to support them they want you to support us yeah. so it's a one big happy family you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> I don't. all right ladies and gentlemen until next week thank you very much for listening that's a show in a world where podcasts are here one day and gone the next the people call on one man to bring them a show that would save the planet as we know it. This is not that guy. From Podcast Detroit and the Points of Interest Podcast Network comes a show that talks about Power Rangers, the Macho Man Randy Savage, movies and TV shows, comic books and more. Brought to you by the host with the most, Jimmy McKnight. The Ninja Starship with Jimmy McKnight is live 5 o'clock on Sundays on Podcast Detroit. Email the show, ninjastarpod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. This is a previously recorded episode.